Hello, Maxine Tima, a convicted Kimraig, Ryan and Rob. Hi, Maxine here, Ryan and Rob's Welsh translator. The Hing Grando are Podlidiad Newid, Fearless in Devotion. You're listening to Fearless in Devotion, a new podcast all about Wrexham AFC. Here they come, our mighty champions. Raise your voices to the anthem. Marching a Crunks on all to feel us in devotion, the podcast all about Wrexham AFC. Uh, all pretty happy here after the Wales result, even though we lost. Good to see Wrexham's Danny Ward continuing to cement his place in the first 11, Tim, former Wrexham lad. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? Um, you know, because we all know that he played one game and that was the same day as when we played Brentford away in the FA Cup. So only a handful, handful of people got got to see him make his, his, his debut for Wrexham. Um, but yeah, great to do to see him do so well. He's essentially retired Hennessy now, isn't he? Um, too good to be sat on Leicester's bench. So it'll be interesting to see how he breaks uh, Smichael's stranglehold on that number one spot for them. But I wouldn't be surprised to see somebody come in and go, right, well, we'll mm. see because he's shown he's a very, 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 very decent keeper. Um, he kept us in it today and kept us in it against Switzerland, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, great player, great to see him do well. And he's one of those that kind of similar to a lot of the players in that Welsh team that keep, keep their feet on the ground, doesn't really enjoy the limelight. He just likes his, uh, likes his football, do the talking, really. And Andy, uh, I went for a pint with Andy on Friday in, in West Hampstead. See, these are the... The, the posh places that Andy Gilpin, Man of the People, lives. Frequents. Um, frequents uh, the, the stylish bars of West Hampstead. I was telling you that Joey Rodon is, has got a bright future ahead of him and he, he was pretty outstanding today, I thought. I don't like to buy a pint unless it's over £7. No, I did notice that. Yeah, yeah. but... You've, you've but, always said that as well. I, I have. I've been pretty, pretty keen. If I come back to if I come back to Wrexham and I'm paying three pound fifty, I'm absolutely fuming. Um, but Roden was absolutely brilliant tonight. I was going to like, uh, I was going to like highlight him anyway. Um, uh, what I would have said about Page is he made the right substitutions at the right time. I think. I think we needed a focal point. Uh, a lot. Italy were just coming on to us. We needed to give them something to think about and keep them more at that time when it looked like Swiss were going to run away with it. And we d- went down to 10 men. It could have been any score. He made the right choices. He freshened up midfield. I know we've sort of said it before we've come on air, but Joe Allen didn't have a have the best game tonight. He looked a little bit like it was bypassing him. And, you know, to get that extra energy on in midfield, take Morel off as well, who's had a questionable tournament, even though Wales have done so well. I think he's made the right choices and it shows that he's a coach who can make those choices because, you know, you don't want to pull on a guy who's on a yellow card with 20 minutes to go who could get another yellow card, but he knew we needed it. We did need it at that point and it absolutely worked out. Rob Page for Wrexham then, or what? (laughs) I'll take him. (laughs) You think we all would. And on that, uh, you know, a word on the National League playoff final, quite... uh, Quite the scenes, actually. Dave Challoner's Hartlepool going up in the end at the expense of Torquay on penalties. Liam, you've got some uh, money on Mr Challoner, haven't you, uh, taking the job at the race course. You can uh, kiss goodbye to that 20 quid now, surely. Yeah, um, it's hard to know what to think. To be honest. I've been clutching at straws listening to his post-match interviews. Um, <laughs> Did he shout Wrexham, Wrexham, Wrexham halfway through? It is exa- he actually said that he hasn't had any phone calls. And in my mind, trying to think, oh, I might still have got money here. I thought, ah, well, that doesn't mean to say that he hasn't applied. It's an application process, as Bryn told Could me. be an email. But um, <laughs> in, in, in all honesty, though, you know, can you get a team? He's said he's always dreamed about being a football league manager. He's done really well to get Hartlepool there because I don't think their circumstances off the pitch have always been the best. So he's done superbly. I'd be surprised if he throws a guaranteed chance to manage a team in the football league to come to us, regardless of money or, or whatever else. But um, I hope to be surprised, but I would be very surprised. The only thing I think about Chalner is, does he want to move back to the Northwest? Is this job made for him with his family arrangements? Also, like, does he have that sort of thing where he wants to get involved in a documentary? 
I, I still think this is an attractive job to him, even though you've got a, you've got a team up in, into the uh, into the football league. Not sure how how um, strong the rumor is, but there is a rumor going around that that's why it's taking so long. Is that they wanted to possibly keep it open for Chal? No, maybe he he applied for it. So it, is that is there any? sort of veracity to that do you think or is that sort of clutching the straws are, are they just taking a slow uh, interview process application process I mean like, maybe but the other thing I think about is it goes back to what we said last week is are they after a head coach or are they after a manager because Chandler to me is a proper manager he will want the final say in all, all signings and the likes of Mark Hudson or other people being mentioned in there would be happier for the likes of a Les Reed and a Sean Harvey to bring plays in for him to coach. So I, I still think really and truly he's a little bit of an outsider, but I don't know what Liam thinks. Yeah, it's, um, it's one of those, isn't it, where we've had the case over the years where it's um, loose lips and everyone knows what's going on before it's actually announced. This time round, I'm just not, you know, I'm, I don't feel confident that I actually know what's going on. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It shows that the process is being done um, professionally. But what it does mean is that you're feeding off scraps effectively with a lot of these rumours. I think the main, the reason why Chalner fitted for me is, like Andy said, that Northwest link. I think he either lives in Chester or Ellesmere Fort, that neck of the woods. And he commutes to Hartlepool every day. So there was something to me which said location and opportunity that's got to be a good one for him but um i don't know we'll we'll wait and see won't we tim you're the man in the know anything to give us am i i don't know about that um <laughs> no i mean i don't know you know he's done he's done a decent job at Hartlepool, hasn't he that's to be fair um really good job uh i don't know how people have got planned for their pre-season travel arrangements next year but it's certainly not going to be philadelphia away is it so you know there's another one to stick towards dave and go you fancy a little holiday on a sunday because we're going um yeah. i don't know how is we're... it always sunny in philadelphia it is apparently yeah yeah apparently so um very good so, yeah how, how shallow he is i don't know but to be honest i'm not I, i'm not really asked uh, if it's him or not, it's he's decent, yeah, and he, and he and it shows that he knows the league and it shows he can get you out of it. If we can poach a manager like that, then great. But I don't know. It's it's a weird situation. We're kind of three weeks in. It's a little bit tiresome, but by the same token, um, don't rush into into a decision if you don't have to. And clearly, they're not rushing. So, um, you know, I've I've heard very very little. Little further than what what's already out there. To be honest, that the Hudson thing's gone quiet. The Flynn thing seems to have evaporated into thin air. Um, so yeah, the, um, there's not been really many of the names, and all of a sudden the challenger thing seems to be um, the main topic of conversation when it comes to to the Wrexham position. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with the next forty eight hours or so. We'll see indeed. Maybe by the time of the next podcast, we'll have a new manager or head coach, whoever that may be. Uh, anyway, time now for the second part of our interview with Kevin Wilkin. Stay tuned for after the interview because we'll be picking the best Wrexham manager of our lifetimes in Mighty Heroes. Please bear in mind, as always, we're incredibly young and virile broadcasters, so we're limited to the last 30 years or so. Now it's time for the second part of our interview with former Wrexham manager Kevin Wilkin. You know, I kind of, you know, committed. I felt I'd committed to the club, and um, just uh, like you know, Spencer's obviously in charge of HR, and again, it might no, nobody else to blame but myself. But there was a clause in in, in my contract that um, I wasn't particularly happy about. They exercised it. Um, you know, again, I should have got the uh, PFA to, you know, as they advised me to have read read the contract in full and. A um, bit of naivety on my behalf, but you know, fair play to Spencer. He's a he's a he's a whiz in HR, and um, you know that clause. Yeah, you know, just felt they could have handled it a little bit better. I felt I made them plenty of money, and like I say, I'm I'm not a wealthy guy, but um, it just would have made things a little bit easier. Look, what did the, day, what did the clause say? Where I had to go and seek employment, so did like uh, you know, I'd, I'd gone in there as a footballer. So effectively, if I'm 
whether they want me to go and stack shelves in Tesco's, okay, I'm more than happy to go and do. But, you know, if there's, if there's not evidence of me seeking employment, that they can use that clause in any which way they choose to, which means they can then stop my money because I'm not seeking employment. There's something along those lines. So, so you um, had to show proof that you were, like, applying for jobs straight uh, away? Uh, uh, yeah, that's right. I would have done, yeah. Yeah. It's not, listen, we, we, we reached an agreement at the end of the day, and that's, look, you know, it's water under the bridge, but... Uh, you know, when I was advised by the PFA, they would have taken that clause out of there because, you know, somebody to go in as a manager and then it, it, it's like a bit of a grey area from my understanding of it. It's like, OK, what do you expect me to go and look for? Now, you know, I wanted to get back into management. That's what I wanted to go and do. Um, that's where I sort of hung my hat on. And, you know, should I have gone back looking at looking at other work at that stage? I didn't have. What did I have left on my contract? Uh, trying to think now. Probably, yeah, probably a season, something like that. Um, but yeah, look, that, that's my mistake. Nobody else's fault. Fair play to to, to, to the guys. You know, it's in there and gave them. You know, we, we reached an amicable agreement in the end. And as I say, that's you know that's water under the bridge. I'm not blaming anybody for that. It's it's, it's happened. I need to learn. Well, it sounds like a tough lesson, but I think. Maybe plenty of people listening would be thinking uh, that that was a, that's a little underhand. Is that how you've been very you've been very generous again, Kevin? I mean, I listen to that and I think, well, you don't go in sign a contract thinking that's going to happen, do you? So you don't really no, and so you don't really pay you know, attention to that sort of level of detail. No, and I didn't, you know, and and like I say, that's 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 naivety on my behalf. Nobody else, you know. I should, well, you know, speaking of Graham McCrell at the PFA. They got involved in it, and once they read that, you know, that clause within it, you know, they said, you know, you should have come to us. We'd have taken this clause out to give you time and an opportunity to go and find, you know, employment within football. Um, so, yeah, look, you know, it, it, it creates a grey area, and it's grey area that, that they could exercise. And I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not blaming anybody. It's my fault. Nobody else is. Too candid. Very candid. Very noble. Um... I kind of almost lost for words then myself. I know. <laughs> um, no, it's. I'm sure, I'm, 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 listen, I'm sure Spencer may explain it differently, but that's that's pretty much how. Yeah, like I say, that's it in a nutshell, as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, and I don't want to. You know, I like Spencer and his and his family, and and I like the, the board as well. They've, as I said earlier, they've got a job to do, and they've got to look after the football club, and it's no good me griping about it. You know, these are the lessons you learn along the way, and. Um, you know it teaches you and you understand and you hopefully like I say don't make the same mistake again we asked Spencer um, Kevin and I think obviously you'll have heard it about whether player power influenced the decision at all in the end Um, you know and he said there was no player power that influenced that decision Um, it was based on uh, I think I'll just read out what he said. Uh, there was a challenge in was Kev able to get the best out of the group of players he had and coach them to the next level. I think given time and with his eye for a player, he could have done a great job for us, but I think the right decision was made to move on, but there was no player power that influenced the board. Uh, do you think that senior players had the ear of the board? Uh, no, I, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, I think, Spencer said something about five or six years in that, didn't he, or something? About, he did, yeah. Like, down the line, did he? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, you know, come on. <laughs> a manager staying at the club for five or six years just ain't going to happen, is it? That's just like, come on, Spencer, if I get three years there, then you, you think you'll have done well. And uh, five year, five or six years, there's, it hasn't got the time, you know, too big a club that wants to move too fast for, for a manager. A manager's got to, you know, it may happen now, that they're you know they're shopping in a different place um, and probably able to bring in a different caliber of player and, and a different manager and it may be that you know let's hope they do get that momentum and somebody is in place for that long because what it will tell you is that you've been incredibly successful and you're probably you know you're likely to be playing in the championship or getting nigh on that's what it's going to take for, for a manager to be there that long having said that you know if the manager does that well he's probably going to be cherry picked off so to talk about five and six years is is, is, is probably wrong you can look at it that that what Spencer says there, you know, in in any which way you like. But it, it, coaching isn't. I think the proof of the pudding is you look at the players that moved away. Did they get any better? Look, show me how many of those players that actually went away when I took over and had to make. The, you know, the, look at how many I had to get rid of the season that I came in. 
look how many went then. So we're pretty much starting from from scratch. I think we we ended up four or five that were contracted, and then I kept Dean and Cara. I ended up keeping Joe. So I kept a few further, you know, more high profile players from that. But within the whole process, it still needs to go through another cycle of, of another um, transfer window and close season for that, you know, for me to have cleared the boards and to get it to to where I needed it to be. And you know, it's frustrating they didn't. With any amount of coaching, I don't think, with the greatest respect, coaching wasn't going to improve the players that we had there at the time. Okay, your likes of Louis and Connor, yes, they were on an upward curve. But, you know, some of those younger boys haven't kicked on and haven't played consistently at National League level. Lots of the boys that I got rid of, none of them have progressed and played over and above the level that that, that Wrexham were playing. So all those decisions were correct. Um you know, and if, if Spencer did have an issue about my coaching, why did they expect me to do it on my own? I was going to say this. I mean, we could change the sort of the, the question of the narrative a little bit and say, look, you came in, you know, he said he was going to give you five or six years. But if he'd have given you an experience number two, the likes of a Graham Barrow, someone who was happy to be the number two, but someone who could really really assist you in every sort of way. I think things might have been a bit different. Do you do you sort of do you agree? Yeah, very much so. Um, you know, there wasn't there wasn't the finances there. You know, Gary, you know, came in and he would he have been great respect to Gary would have been my first choice. No, he wouldn't. But that's all we could afford at the time. That's the reality of it. And um I needed somebody with me and, and you know Gary had his shortcomings. Um you know, wasn't a, 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 um, an experienced coach. But at the end of that season, I went and, and done a, a coaching course with the Welsh FA, which, by the way, um, one of the best things that, that happened for me at, the, at joining Wrexham as well, the fact that I got into the you know the coaching system with the Welsh FA, <clears throat> who are and and main, you know maintain this the, the fantastic forward-thinking organisation. I've got in there at the right time. You know that's where I met Carl. And, and I wanted to get Carl on board, and, and some people may not be for it. I know Carl's come under a bit of fire. Some people may not be for it, but it was me that wanted him in there. He's a great technical coach, um, you know, and he would have complimented really well. We could only afford to get him in two days, or and it only fitted, I think, similarly on basis that, that he's working or was working to up until recently. Um, but you know, I, I wanted him in from the from the get go of that season. It took a lot. It was fair way into that season when probably getting towards the Christmas time or just after when Carl actually joined us. Um, and, I, you know, I quickly identified that I needed somebody like that to help me and assist me within that. And, um, you know, that took a bit of begging and pleading and, and everything Sorry, can else. I just, get... Is that you identifying that or is that the club identifying that? Because it sounds me. to me now that you, you you've you me. yeah right yeah, fair enough you know I, I know a lot of people said oh Barry you know mutterings and again you know it sort of highlights the fact that the board could have I think there were mutterings that nobody knew who wanted Carl in in the building I wanted Carl in the building and you know I think it was like one of two people oh it was Barry Hall down to Barry Hall nothing to do with Barry Hall. Nothing to do with the board. I wanted him in the building. I realised that I needed some assistance of, 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 the, of the like of, of Carl. And, you know, he'd come in and, OK, he'll have his, like I say, he'll have his knockers and, and what have you like. But he's a fantastic coach, Carl, and would have probably filled the void that I had, at, at, you know, at that time. Um, and, and complimented what, you know, what I needed. Um, but, you know, going back to the, to the, to the point, we... If I, you know, if I wasn't able to coach and, and however you want your coaching to look, and I, you know, maybe Spencer would need to elaborate a little bit more on that. But you know, whether it's about putting a thousand and one cones out, and that's what he sees as a great coaching session, there's far more to it than that. And I think the proof of the pudding is okay. We didn't get to our league position that, that we would have liked, but certainly third round in an FA Cup and an, an FA Trophy final would, would probably point to the fact that it, it, it's nearly as successful a season as, as Wrexham's had for. Well, a little while, is it? I don't know. Look, other people will judge that and that's down to them. Maybe it's not. I know the Holy Grail is winning the league and I get that. And, you know, you know, I do firmly believe given another season, we'd, we'd have progressed against still and certainly made the playoffs the following season. But that's that's hindsight and it's inevitable that, that I'm going to back myself and say that, isn't it? Do you think this was a, a group of volunteers maybe who 
at, at that time were learning their feet and how to run a football club and didn't didn't foresee that you needed a strong number two? Um, I, th- I think, you know, it's a group of volunteers, as I said in uh, previous in the programme, that, you know, these are very, very successful. Don Birch was a very successful business with Spencer's, you know, climbed the ladder within his, uh, you know, his career and done fantastically well. Um, Mark, again, you know, terrific accountant. Um, John Mills, you know, these guys are all successful businessmen. You know, it's a learning curve for them as well. I think... Probably when I when I step back and you know hindsight and um, looking at it, that if they could have been a bit more transparent and and um, been a little bit clearer about expectations and what we can achieve through the course of it, like I said, I think Andy would still be in place or would certainly been in place for longer. Um, I think the proof of the pudding over a period of time is, and you've asked the question about, you know, I think you said this bench about you know we're, we're happy with your management choices. I think eventually, you know, the, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, the, you know, the board's recently probably come up under more flack than it probably ever has. Um, and I think it, it, it's come home now that, you know, <laughs> it needed somebody to stand there and stand strong. And I totally, like I say, understand. But look, as I say, those guys have done a fantastic job to get the club in the black in the position it is and should be incredibly proud of themselves. And... Look at what, what they've achieved. Like I say, I maintain that. Okay, you know, take my situation out, but it kind of did need a little bit more probably strength within and just to so make you think, you think, Is what you're saying is they should have been able to stand up to the fans and say, Kevin's here on a project, we want to back him. As, as tough as that FA Trophy, you know, final was to take, we think that next season will be you know you think that they should have been able to stand up and say we're going to back him well I think they needed to do it for some whether it's and you know it could have been Andy you know but for, for somebody but I totally get why they didn't because they all live in the town and they're all locally around and about and well, why the devil should they come under fire for anything you know we're here trying to do the best for the club we don't want any flack I get that and it's right the manager should say the flack that's that's equally right but you know and <laughs> I'm kind of wearing two hats. I, I'm not wanting to say my situation. Whoever's in charge, you know, whether it's me or Andy or, or Gary Mills, whoever it is, um, if you know, you've got to give them surely a period and somebody had to be strong. You know, I look at my my experience of um, since I've been managing. The first year we got into the conference in Uneaton, we, we got took us to the, pretty much about four games to go before we secured our, our, our survival. Thereafter, we get to the top of the you know the conference after ten or a dozen games, and you know we're we're beating Grimsby and Wrexham and whoever else and, and whatever. So that took a bit of a process. You know, I, I felt I was on that journey and that process at, at Wrexham um, and moving it the way it needed to go. It, there was a lot of work that needed to still happen. You know, if I take Brackley, when I went in at Brackley, you know, I had to get rid of. I think I kept two players from from the team that we inherited. Two players. And then pretty much, I think the first season we missed out on the playoffs by a point. Um, but thereafter, you know, I think we've been in the playoffs every season. Um, so, you know, what it's telling me is that process for me, for me to, to, to put my real stamp on it, probably takes 18 months, two years. That's probably what it takes. And I get and understand you're not given always that time. And, you know, Wrexham's an impatient club. Well, that's the wrong thing to say, impatient. But, you know, I understand it, it feels it should be batting above the, the level that it is and, and, it, and, and it has all that potential and, and plenty of untapped potential still and it will be there very shortly I'm sure but you've got to be realistic with what you're spending and just I think if the people are if you're informed and given those facts you know you can be pragmatic about the situation and understand it better and if, you, if, you, if you're paying strong money and you think you're going to watch Man City and all of a sudden you know, I'm serving up what I serve up at Wrexham, you're going to be cheesed off, aren't you? You're going to have that. Uh, and who carries the can? Well, clearly, generally, it's the manager. Well, that 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 blow can be softened a little bit. And, you know, if people are like, hang on a minute, look, we haven't got the biggest budget in, in the league. We've got to, you know, work our way through it and give whoever time. Um, then I think people are a bit more accepting of the situation. I think lately that's probably why. I think unfairly because, like I say, Spencer's has always stood there and, and probably took more flat than he deserved to take because he's 
he's a great guy and he's, he's done a fantastic job for Wrexham Football Club. Whatever my situation is, he, he, he's done terrific. I think that's a key thing you you said there. You said like people were cheesed off of the football and and you would take the can for that. But if you think back, if if maybe the the board have, had said have been a bit more upfront, saying this is the budget we're working with, Kevin Wilkin is our manager. He will be our manager for the next three years because this is a project. And then at the end of those three years, if he hasn't if he hasn't delivered, then there may be a change. Do you think that? At the at the outset, would have helped you to, you know, people would would be on board with you more because they Massive. they all knew they all knew that you were working towards something. And then judge me at the end of that. Don't judge me after a after a, a defeat, which could have been knee jerk. Massively, I, I I think just just be you know just be upfront with people and and you know don't try and spin it. Um, you know, it goes. You know, people. Well, did I know that? You know, all the good work that, that the board has done and what have you like. And it, as I say, it takes great credit for what. But that would so much have helped helped me. So much would have helped Andy if you. You know, when people when people aren't, aren't and I realised I'm not asking them to tell them every nitty gritty and every detail, but just to give them an outline of where you're at. You know, when when the club was was in dire straits and it needed the fans to come out and save the situation, I'm sure, and I don't know, I'm guessing here, what was it like at the, you know, after the, the next game then? Were everyone behind it and was a field of unity that we're, we're going to... Yeah, of course it was. We were, so, we were so happy to have a club. I mean, it was all there we wanted. Are. There you are. So, you know, the club's in dire straits and because you... I'm not saying it has to paint the picture of being in dire straits, but it has to paint a realistic picture of a, a, a realistic expectation. Yes, Wrexham has massive potential, and is it spending? Sometimes your 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 your, uh, your budget doesn't always mirror your league finishing position. We understand that, but along the way, you know, Spencer spoke about I think a quarter of a million pound loss potentially if I'd have been left in place. Well, let's let's balance that off with the fact that Louis Malt was sold for whatever. Let's balance that off for the fact that you bid that third round of the FA Cup, which would have made some money. Let's balance it off equally with the fact that, you know, we've been to an FA Trophy final. Okay, we've lost, but clearly all these things will have made some money. So that quarter million loss perhaps wouldn't be quite as extensive as that, I'm guessing. And hang on a minute, you know, I think then, you know, you may view it in a a slightly different light. Um, Maybe I'm wrong, um, but that's that's how I feel about it. I'm, I'm I'm not always right in situations, but that's how I kind of feel about it. And I think it it would do anybody a favour. Drawing the sting out of it is far easier, like for say a manager and for players. You know, as I said earlier, how tough is it to play at a race course? Have you got players that can that are robust enough to to be able to deal with that expectation? That's a big thing at the race course. Let me tell you. And some of those youngsters that we had, and we're trying to find it within them. Yeah, you can grow them and it can take a period of time. I've got a couple of women at the moment that it's taken four years to get to the level. There's league clubs all over them at the moment, but that, 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 that's taken four years. Okay, I've been lucky enough and very well supported at Brackley and uh, and given the chance and opportunity to do that. Um, but, you know, we're all a little bit impatient with football and that can be certainly difficult when you're at such a massive club as Wrexham. I understand that. It, it's very rare that you get such an honest insight into this sort of stuff because yeah. everyone's got their own sort of spin on it and everyone would want to paint a picture that they they want to paint. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, I don't know the rest of you guys, but I think you're being very honest on, on, what, on what's, what happened and the decisions you made. And I think that's very refreshing. You know, time's, time's moved on and, and um, you know, my, my view on it and trying to see both sides of the coin. And as I said, hopefully I'm, I want to be fair about the situation. Like, you know, it's it's not about feeling sorry for myself or anything like that. These things happen in football. You're going to get the sack as a manager. I get that. And and, and, and that's not a problem. Equally, you know, I've not actually grind with anybody. Nobody at Wrexham has really, you know, done me. A, you know, they've had to make the decision, like I say, but everybody at Wrexham is just so, so helpful to me. So I can't, I've got no gripes on that front whatsoever. Right, we've got a bit of a quick fire round, so it's just five quick fire questions, just about the, about the players you managed. So, firstly, who was the most skillful? Uh, I would say Jay Harris. All oh, right, interesting. 
Yeah. Uh, Do you think he gets the uh, the credit he deserves for that? He's a he is a little wizard. He's he's like uh, close ball control in what he's capable of. Um, you know, get get into the bottom of Jay. He's a bit of a complex character, but um, as a footballer and, and you know with his balance and I, I think it. I think you need to understand him and, and get into the bottom and get into imposing himself on the game. He can be a bit of a challenge at times, but I'm trying to think who else within that group that, that would have really stuck out as being really skillful. Sort of, uh, you know, Connor, you guys, maybe. Are you going to who? sign him, Kev? He's a free agent, Jay Harris. I couldn't afford him. <laughs> <laughs> um, Interesting. Uh, so, right, the next one is who was the worst dressed? I'm going to say Blaine Hudson. And you're going to say, <laughs> you're going to say Blaine. <laughs> Hollywood. You had a Hollywood tattoo. Oh, he said he'd be cutting edge, but I'm just not doing I'm too much of a fossil to to, to see his cutting edge status like. But um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't understand some of his clubber, if I'm being honest. Right. The next question is, who's the biggest moaner? And there's been a very, there's been quite a consistent answer from this, from the group of players you had. As a choice of two. Okay. No, as a choice of one. Mm. Do you know it? I've Neil got Ashton. an idea. Neil Ashton. <laughs> <laughs> what what a misery. His glass is probably half empty. He's uh yeah, he's a dour bugger at times, like, but um yeah, Neil Ashton. Connor Jennings would be a bit of a miserable grumper in training at times. They were, they were the two I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, it, Connor would run him a close, for no reason as well, Connor would just have a moment like, you know, the naughty boy at school that's just like got no attention span. And, he um, did look like one of the yeah. Bash Street kids, Connor Jennings, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he, he's just a strange one. All of a sudden things aren't quite happening for him and the whole session can like just take a downturn and everyone's trying to keep him on board. But uh Great lad, and you, you get him away from the football pitch, and he's just such a such a lovely lad. And you know, we wish he obviously he's had a uh, diagnosis is not um, not great, and we wish him well. I, I sent him a, a message; it was lovely to hear from him and um, respond to us and whatever like. So um, we wish him well with that. He's a great guy, and uh, yeah, hopefully he's back on the football field in the not too distant future. Yeah. Next one is who was the tightest with money? Who didn't pay the fines, Kevin? Oh. Let's have a little think about that. I spoke to Malty the other day, and I'm, 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 I'm just going. I might point the finger at him, but he's, he's obviously <laughs> having a, a decent career, and he's got. He's probably a bit flush now because he did invite me out for a pint. To be fair, so um, fantastic uh, boy, and I'm delighted to have played some part in his career. He's uh, uh, just a lovely guy. That's um, uh, you know not always had it the easiest, and. Um, yeah, I've been lucky to work with some some great people, and he and he's he's one of them. It's just like I hadn't spoke to him for a good long while, and, and then just to find out how he was, he's had serious bad injury, and um, you know he's gonna have to show a bit of character to get back from that. But he will do because he's that sort of boy, and you never know. You know, it'd be great to see him at the race course again, wouldn't it? Last question: Who was the most underrated player in that squad? Do you think someone who didn't wasn't really valued uh, as much as they should have been? Ooh, most underrated. I'm hard pushed, but it had been Wes is very honest. Um and, mm. and, and probably, you know, he's a quiet and shy retiring sort of character and won't force himself forward and sometimes impose himself on, on situations. So probably have to say Wes really. Uh, Manny, you know, I think Manny, everyone came to appreciate Manny and you know, sixty one games and as I said to you, he's my most expensive wage wise signing and proved to be a fantastic signing for me. Great lad. Um Quiet, but like I say, you know, people respected him, and and, and he, you know, he, he done very, very well for me. So, yeah, probably Manny or Wes. Always liked Wes. He, he's with me now, and um, like I say, you know, you ask him, and he's travelling a long way to be with us. And um, like I say, just really, really honest, really nice, nice boy, and um, you know, just delighted to have him back and working with us. Like, he needs to believe himself a little bit more. Um, but because of the character that he is, he's like I say, he's not, he's not, he's not, you know, shout the loudest in any situation. Gets on with his job and, you know, do whatever you ask him to do. We we, we had a problem on the left hand side and we we stuck Wes at this season. He was an absolute revelation for us and um, delighted he's with us next season as well. 
have you had offers to to manage at a, a higher level again? And has your experience at Wrexham made you more cautious in sort of making that jump at all? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> there were one or two offers when I came out of Wrexham. I needed a chance to reflect on the situation and understand it and certainly, you know, sort the situation out uh, when directly when I moved away. Um, Brackley, for me, was was the right choice at the right time. Um, and the people have been there have been so supportive um, through the whole process. I couldn't work for a better chair, a, a owner than Alan Layton. Um, what a fantastic guy. It's no surprise. He, he, he does and is what he is in the city. Um, he's just just like the, the best owner you could ever work for. And if he sacked me tomorrow, I could have no, absolutely no rights because he, he's just supporting me. You know, he, when I took over there, he, um, you know, he probably should have should have sacked me after the first season because it, it went for the last game for me to keep him up. And um, you know, he stayed he stayed with me, and hopefully, I've repaid that in some way. Um, but yeah, there's there's been uh, a couple of people that have rung up and, and, and asked whether I'd be interested in certain jobs. I feel a loyalty to to Brackley. Um, still, I haven't quite done the job there yet, but but I set out to do. Um, you know, it's going to be remarkably tough. We'll lose a few players uh, this this season that, that, that we don't want to lose. But look, that's football, and you have to dust yourself down and get on with it and try and find the next ones like. But yes, there's been a couple of offers, but I do love it at Brackley and very appreciative of what we've got there and what we're trying to do. You touched on it before. Um, have you taken some sort of positives from your time at Wrexham in that you said you've gone to the FAW course through that? Are there things which you feel have helped benefited your career? That, that that would be a major one. Uh, I mean, it's it's just just to be involved in that. They're, they're such a progressive organisation. The, the course is just so stimulating. Um, you know, I've still got work to do on, on, on one of the one of the courses that I was on, which is a little bit my my wrong. But um, just to be involved in that organisation, I think you look at you know and went into it at the right time with, with Wales doing so well in the last Euros, wasn't it? And, and um, you know just just the feeling around the place and, and, and going down to uh, Dragon Park and what have you like. And they've got so many fantastic young progressive coaches in, within, within the, the, the organisation and just the support mechanism within it. Um, what I've learned from, from those people and, you know, Austin and that, again, you know, it's so progressive and so refreshing. And just, yeah, I do count myself really lucky because being an Englishman, getting into the world system is... It's not always that easy, and you know I urge a lot of people that are around and about me if they can to get on that world's course because you know the likes of Bryn and that that are delivering the sessions that they do are absolutely fantastic. And um, you know I'm, I'm fortunate that that's a big big area, and I'm fortunate that I've been lucky enough to be involved in that and part of their system. And you know I want to stay part of their system. So I know we sort of touch on this, but it's just a very sort of quick question at the end. It's like you were good at. Attra- you know, you're good at attracting players and you have also mentioned the budget. Was there one player that you were close to getting who you think could have made the difference? And are you able to say who that was? Well, I, I, I said earlier, like, if I, I, I didn't have the... Gareth Dean, who I had at Nuneaton at the time, my captain at the time, like I say, I'm, I have no doubt with him in the group, we'd, you know, we'd have made the playoffs and no two ways about that. Um I couldn't persuade him. He's got a good job at Jaguar and Land Rover. He's a he's a uh, degree ga- uh, graduate and, and you know got a terrific job there. To, to afford to get him out of that and commit to full time football, I just you know just you know didn't have the resources to be able to do that. He would have been one. Um, you know, there was another time. Um, there were a couple of players that that clearly I wanted to you know go and get, and we didn't have the money to go and get. There was one during the season that. Um, you know, I took uh, Luke O'Neill in from uh, from Watford. Um, oh, the Sunderland he, player. Yeah, he's the Sunderland captain, and and, and uh, we took him in, and I saw him, like we used to be at uh, obviously at Colliers and looking out onto the AstroTurf, and Luke was out there. At, I think it was about two thirty. Everyone had long gone home. Me and Gary, we, we had a game of uh, table tennis. So like he's out there kicking around still, and. I wanted to get him in and, and, you know, again, we didn't have the resources to, to get him in. It was probably, why do we need another midfielder? But the boy was just, we went out there, I think we were out there till five o'clock kicking around and I just knew then that he, that he had 
it just worked so hard. He was just out there every day until whatever time. There's no surprise. Look where he is now. And you know, he, he you know he was he was training with us and working with us, and I wanted to bring him in, but. Again, finances dictate we couldn't afford it. Okay, I understand why do we need another midfielder as such. But, you know, I could tell in him he was... Joey unearthed a great one um, who was working alongside us in Ben Tollett as well. And, you know, um, Joey and Andy Andy Davis, fantastic for the, for the club. And like I say, I know people will have criticised Andy being part of the old regime and what have you like. But for me, the support that, they, that both those guys gave me, Alan Jones... You know, fantastic guys. That uh, sorry, I'm going off a bit of a tangent, but people that really, really helped me. Um, other players, the one and two, but you, you know, you throw your hat in the ring and try to get the best that you, the very best that you can get for your money. Clearly, I wasn't going to get, you know, everybody, and I had to sort of cut the cloth accordingly to piece together a competitive side. So, um, yeah, I knew, I knew that you know, I had to work the budget, and it, it didn't have that much flexibility. If I'm being honest. I've got one question, which is kind of slightly left field, but we're going way, way, way back, and I'm just doing it for purely for nostalgic purposes. Um, 1992-93, when Wrexham secured promotion at Northampton, I'm pretty sure you were in the Northampton team. Unfortunately, Um, yes. (laughs) Were you? I I didn't know that. Just just, um, take your recollection that day, because the away following... Was some was the stuff of legend, and, and we play, play back the videos now. And when all, all the Wrexham fans pour onto the pitch at the end with the promotion, yeah. uh, when, what was your when, memory of that? Because it just seemed it's mental. It's crazy, crazy. It, 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 it had a couple of uh, memories, like when Benno scored the uh, the penalty in, in front of this. They called it Spy on Cop, where all you guys were, and it's a wonder yeah. it didn't collapse. There were so many Wrexham fans there that night, and uh, I remember him scoring the penalty, and everyone flooding onto the field, and this big fat guy got on there and I'm trying to get him chuck him off the pitch and I think he chucked me off the pitch in the end I was angry <laughs> he was a great big hefty fella and he came marauding on the pitch and I think he fell over on the penalty spot and I was like real mad with it and thought you can't do this at our place and I think he chucked me into the net in the end like I say but that was one and then and then Gary Bennett like was he's, he's obviously a legend at Wrexham like I remember the ball sitting there one time and I thought I'm going to let you have one here and it just sat there nicely and I went in to take him the ball and everything and tackling wasn't my strong point by the way and it was right towards the end of the season I just remember having this grass burn on my ass, like oh my days it was with me for the whole summer and he just got up and dusted himself down and went away and fair play to him like he was you know he was a strong player and um yeah, I thought that was my moment, but I remember all summer like paying the price and not being out of sleep at night, just sticking to the bed sheets. It was uh, <laughs> it was a big moment, but fair play that, that you know they like you say it was a long while ago, and they were a terrific side then. They really, really were with with all the Gaz Owen in it, I think, wasn't there, and yeah. Carl Connolly, and yeah, I'm sure like recollecting all those those fantastic players. I remember playing actually at the race course before the old road was finished. And there was right. just hoarding along there, if I recall rightly. And we were yeah. on something like a 19 game. 19, we were rubbish. We were about 19 games without a win. And we ended up, Nicky Bell scoring this goal. And it was like the Alamo there. And how we won this game. <laughs> and we ended up beating you. And luckily, it wasn't a club record of, of winless, uh, of a winless period. Like. So, um, yeah, they did have a fun memory on, on the flip side of it. But, um, yeah, great days. Wish, wish I could have another go. So, last question from me, just just briefly, where do you think you can go with that? I mean, is are you still? Do you still have ambitions to get into the football league? Um, the national league first, um, but yes, I we mean, do. that's where that's that's where we want to be. That's where Alan wants to go. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a challenge. You know, you look, you know, again, looking at the size of the clubs that we've still got to overcome and encounter. You know, your, your York Cities, your Herefords, your Darlingtons, your Chesters. You know, the list goes on. Southport, Kidderminster. These are tough people to come up against week in, week out. And uh, our um, our plight. We've lost probably more players this season than we've uh, than we have in, in previous seasons. Yes, you have a turnover of players, but. I think season on season for the last three seasons, we've lo- we've only lost one player that we didn't want to. And each of those players, I think, have gone on to full-time football. Certainly Connor Hall at uh, Harrogate. Goodge has gone to Solio uh, on a full-time basis. Terry Ordell's gone. I think he's played full-time abroad now. So we've lost some really good centre-halves and had to try and replace them. That's been a challenge. 
Um, we'll lose a couple of decent midfielders, I think, this uh, this close season. That'll be, they'll be a real challenge to try and replace. But again, it's you know I'd like to think I'm comfortable that it might take me a little while to replace them and get the next you know the next sort of phase and batch in and, and get them up to the speed and level that that I know we need. Um, but equally, if we took to the field tomorrow, I think we've got a really um, we'll have a really strong side. Um, there's still one or two that league clubs are looking at, and I, you know, I would urge people to have a look at. Um, we've got some strong players that will, I think, if they don't move this season, will certainly move next season. So, you know, that process doesn't get any easier, Andy. It's, you know, it's tough season on season, and I think this this close season will be especially tough. It's 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 thrown up more of a problem, if I'm being honest, because we've had no step the steps below us playing football to, to go and recruit from to see what we're looking for. So we've not had the luxury of looking at it and our our recruitment this year has probably been a little bit slower than, than would have been in previous season, waiting for the EFL and then the National League to unfold and see what players are coming out. Again, has been very sporadic and uh, really taking shape now. Clearly, there's still the playoffs on the go. So, you know, that it, it, that's proved more of a challenge this season, I will say. But like I say, hopefully we've got our ear to the ground and, and you know, we're still in a, a good place to make, make some offers to hopefully some good players and, and progress them and, you know, continue to challenge. We're mindful of how difficult it is and know that, you know, our, our target at the outset of, of the season is to try and make the playoffs. We started really slowly last year due to some injury and I made a bad choice on on, on a couple of players and it took me a little while to round that, but it did and then we finished really, really strongly and got up to fourth place with everything to play for, as I say. But um, no, I love it. It's, it's fantastic. All the energy for it and I'm um, really, really looking forward to, let's hope, you know, we all have an uninterrupted season and, uh, Let's hope we're all successful. I think all we want you to do is to beat Chester. So yeah. I, I, I do like beating Chester. It's, uh, it's especially pleasing when you do it with Rex. Yeah. Beating Chester any time is good, isn't it? Yeah, so. I, I just <laughs> want to mention, actually, I, do, I did want to tell you, I was saying this to the lads the other day, actually. I know, I, forget about the results because it was bad. When we lost to Chester in the last minute, we don't want to talk about it, right? But yeah. um, I was saying to them that I loved that obviously uh, there was a, a rowdy bunch of idiots who obviously interrupted the minute silence, which was disgraceful. Um, and they came to you pitch side about five minutes in and I felt like you didn't hold back and you proper called them out on it. And I just absolutely love that because too often I think the managers, especially on the sidelines sometimes, and I understand why, maybe they've had too much media training from Brynlaw, but they they, uh, they they kind of just skirt away from it. And I really liked that you actually called them out on it. So thank you for that. Uh, yeah, no problem. Listen, it's about, isn't it? It's a, you know, I know there's a, there's a close role in a competition between all of us and we all want to do well, but you know, I think you have to show, I think, a level of, you know, just be respectful of people in the situation, like, you know, and, and yeah, we you know, we love the competition, don't we, that, that it is, but in those moments and for the right reasons, be respectful and, and, and show that. It's, it's, it's a mark of the man that you can be, isn't it? Mm. And I, I, sorry, Bryn, that was a cheap joke. I didn't mean to suggest <laughs> that, you, that, he, that, he, that he's fine with sort of slagging off minute silence. I wasn't, so sorry, Bryn. <laughs> <laughs> on, that on that note on that note thanks Kevin <laughs> see the Reds to fight together speak their names with pride forever marching with a mighty army Rexham is the name feel it in the ocean Thanks again to Kevin Wilkin for his time. What an absolute gentleman. Liam, what's your our Red Passion correspondent? What's the what's the, the response been like? Well, we've gone into the bear pits that is Red Passion. And actually, generally, it's uh, it's pretty positive. People are quite interested to hear Kevin's version of events on, on how things went at Rex. And I think particularly, given that we spoke to Spencer before and he said about not really being able to be honest with the budget and Kevin feeling that maybe that chucked him under the bus a little bit. I think that was an interesting revelation in particular. Um, someone called him a class act um, said the words he said about Les Evans were very moving as well. Because I, th- I think he was actually quite close to tears, wasn't he, when he was talking mm-hmm. about Les to us. Um, just came across as someone that really cares about the club, which, given that he's not from the area, I was quite not surprised at, but it was quite nice to see really 
yeah, what a gent. Fair play. Spent a lot of time um, on the, on the call with us as well. So uh, thanks again to him for his time. Uh, but now it's time for Mighty Heroes. In Mighty Heroes, uh, we've already picked our starting 11. Um, and now it's time for the manager, uh, Andy Gilpin. You can go first because you've been drinking all evening and uh, I don't really get to... Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. I've had four pints with the game. I paced myself. I started oh. at four and I was I was finished at seven. So, you know, um, the rumours of my demise are greatly exaggerated. <laughs> You're about seven pints now. The hours of four until seven. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Andy, well, you could go first anyway. So you've got 60 seconds to make the case for your manager. Um, so, as always, three, two, one... Go. Well, for me, there's only one option. Brian Flynn took nothing and he made something. He gave us something that every Wrexham fan has dreamed of, success. From the depths of the Football League to League One contenders, we'd kill for that now. On top of that, he gave us something we always criticised Dragon's bosses for. He made our players better. Brian Hughes, Cal Connolly, Gary Bennett, so many others. He produced a youth system that was the envy of the lower leagues. It created Welsh internationals like Mark Jones. On top of that, he gave us the most iconic Wrexham moment ever, beating Arsenal. And he laid the foundations for a golden period of the great signings like Peter Ward, Darren Ferguson and the Flinnadadians. Once again, he was thinking outside the box. Yeah, he stayed for a little bit too long. He got a little stale. But he also gave us some of the high points we can remember. Welsh Cup wins, FAW Trophy wins, FA Cup giant killing, all the things that we would kill for now, Hollywood owners or not. On top of that, he gave a blueprint for Wales. What more do you want? I mean, really, what more do you want? What more do you want, Wrexham fans? Time uh, and a strong finish from Gilpin, a typically strong finish, as always. Uh, Tim, you can go next. Um, oh, no, no, I'm not even remotely ready. I definitely haven't got my speech prepared like bloody best man Gilpin has. Every- <laughs> best man Gilpin. <laughs> I'm a right uh, to buy trade, Timothy. Oh, it's yeah. just, I, I like the way you, you, you sort of eyes. I end strongly. I end. I always like to end. You get strongly. all you get all swivel eyed like Steve Cleave when you're reading off your auto key. It's outrageous. Tim, you're gonna have to go next, mate. Just this. Uh, just just wing it. Just wing it. We all, you know, just wing it. It'll be fine. Criticize okay. me for being prepared. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Tim. All, you know, sometimes the best the best arguments can be made when you haven't prepared. You've got 60 from seconds. From the heart, 60 seconds to make the case for your manager. Three, two, one. Who is it? It's Dennis Smith, our last promotion-winning manager. Who else does it need to be? 2002-2003 season. Got us promoted. He dealt with all various of the bits going on against the backdrop of administration the Hamilton era and all that kind of caper him and Kevin Russell did an amazing job keeping the players protected away from that I think he described it in his autobiography as the most harrowing um, point in his career both as a player and a manager but Smith was kind of like a man of the people I think he was very very he was a very good manager but he's a very good man manager and a friend to the players as well just got the best out of them Obviously, you can keep going on about the promotion aspect as well, but I don't know, just for me, I just thought he was a really, really, really decent fella. Ten seconds. Um, potentially, if we hadn't got those ten points docked, that team he assembled could have potentially reached the championship, to be honest, and he could, have, should, could and should have been given longer, in my opinion. Time's up. Great time in. Nicely done. There we go. Liam, you can go next. I'm going to save, uh, save the best till last. Um, so, Liam, you've got 60 seconds to make the case for your manager. Three, two, one, go. Brian Hughes. <laughs> man I'm going to go for is the one who went closest to getting us out of this godforsaken league. His name is Andrew Jonathan Morell. He was chucked in at the deep end a bit managing a side. We're doing well in the league. Dean Saunders might have assembled the team, but I don't think Andy Morell gets the credit he deserves for taking them to the levels that he did. We heard from uh, Mark Clayton about how well he brought Curtis Obang on, and I definitely felt like he really came into his own under morale. He had the amazing cup run that season, reached 98 points, which isn't a very easy thing to do. And who can forget that amazing day that we've discussed countless times on this podcast at Wembley uh, when we beat Grimsby. It didn't quite work out the second time round when we played Newport, but, but for a Brett Ormerod missed chance, Andy Morrell could well have been the man to do it and okay it didn't work out but there were constraints that we heard about and 
can I just say the, his win percentage at Wrexham was 52% out of 100 I'm not looking at Wikipedia 140 games so Sorry. Andy Morrell all the way okay nicely done Liam thanks very much for that me next so someone give me 60 seconds Three, two, one, go. Okay, so I have to pick my fellow Jack, don't I? Born and bred in Swansea, went on to have a fantastic career at the likes of Aston Villa, Dean Saunders. Came to us in October 2008 after uh, we're taking over from a fellow Villa legend having a terrible time with us, Brian Little. We just lost four out of the last five games, including Grey's Athletic and Rushton, and he made an instant impact with a great comeback away at Forest Green. Jefferson Louis and Mark Williams with those goals. Andy Mangan actually scored Forest Green's two goals that day, interestingly enough. Um, and from what I remember, I think Saunders told Mark Williams he'd give him 100 quid in cash if he scored. Maybe a sign of the unorthodox style of management that he had. Uh, despite that start, took him a while to get properly going, but then he made a load of strong signings in 2010, and we started playing some lovely football and made the playoffs. Ten and who seconds. knows, if Gareth Taylor had scored that penalty, who knows what would have happened. Obviously then left us 10 games into that 98-point season, but those foundations were laid by Dean Saunders. And it's notable that the ex-players we've had in this podcast have all sung the praises of Dean Saunders. Mark Crichton, Lee Fowler. You're done. You're, 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 sorry, you're at Doncaster. That's my case for Dean Saunders. Dean Saunders. Oh. Yeah, having a, great, having a great time out right. in Baku the last couple of weeks, apparently. Yeah, I've seen that on, on TalkSport. Right, okay. Let's discount two now because it's all relative. Because <laughs> you can say a great FA Cup run. Okay, we beat a couple of non-league sides and then lost to Brighton. That's that, in in the classic Brentford. Brentford, mate. I mean, it, okay, yeah, fair enough. Drew that away was a, at Brighton. Of that, that okay, that was a great day. But really and truly, is it a Brian Flynn giant color? You know, giant killing FA Cup spree. No, of course it isn't. And and Dean Saunders, are you mental? <laughs> I mean, he wasted so much what? money. It was so much money. Dean he was a, Dean Keats, Andy. I mean, was, what do you want me to do? I'm 29. Look, <laughs> okay, look. he was he was unconventional. Yeah, we all know that. And we've actually rewritten a bit of the history that that Saunders was really loved by his players, which most people didn't really think. When yeah. you're before this pod, so I do understand that. But those two managers should be discounted straight away. It's between Brian Flynn and Dennis Smith, and there's only one winner from that. There's only one winner in a fight. That would be uh, Dennis <laughs> Smith in an actual physical fight. A <laughs> um, couple of you lot have had run into Dennis Smith, haven't you? Yeah, well, well, I will. I will talk about my Dennis Smith running a one pod, but probably this is the right role. Well, we'll, we'll, when, he, we'll, when he comes on again, is it? We're going to have to get the big man on, aren't we? To I mean, if you, thought, you thought if you thought Gilpin versus Wilkin was was heated, you went to Smith versus, versus Gilpin. Wilkin. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that sounds like the shittest cartoon I've ever read in my entire life. Gilpin versus Wilkin, <laughs> amazing. Right, I, I've got to, I've got to say that I, I, you know, shame on me that I didn't actually mention the. LDVV, LDVV, LDV Vans Trophy final win, which Dennis Smith also steered us to. Um, so I'm in, I'm in agreement with Andy. It's between him and Brian. Yeah, um, that's fair. Andy, he did. I mean, you can't take the 98 point season away from him, but ultimately, it still fell short of the objective, as good as it was. Um, great guy, great boss. Um, but yeah, um, close but no cigar. Dean Saunders, we can discount him straight away. Between Brian Flynn and Dennis Smith, it is then. Um, I I'm not conceding anything on Flynn, by the way. I, I well, I'm, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Flynn. However, he's got the longevity going for him in terms of the amount of time spent at the club. He made a lot of excuses before games, which still wrangles me a lot. Um, yeah, we got, he got promotion as well, same as Smith. Smith did it in a short time frame. Brian Flynn had big FA Cup um, scalps. Yeah. Also, do I do I mention the unmentionable that Brian Flynn was assistant manager to Brian Hughes? I mean, no, no he wasn't, was he? Wasn't, that, was that, he? That, no, he wasn't. I mean, the, 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 they, it was mentioned that he was. It was announced that he was, but there's no way he actually did that over a long, a long time frame. I'm sorry that that you shouldn't blacken Brian Flynn's name with that. And actually, I'd, I'd go I'd go as far as saying if it wasn't for Brian Flynn, Brian Hughes would have taken this up, in my opinion. Oh, okay. <laughs> So, so Brian Flynn demanded that we played three central midfielders and one winger. Yep. Well, uh, yep. 
Oh, dear While me. watching okay. from the stand and laughing. Okay. In, in, in all seriousness, I I I I got a romantic attachment to to Dennis Smith for the reasons that Tim gave as well. I think fair play to you know what a top bloke, um, you know sticking by the club and you know he was probably shafted really at the end, um, but obviously he gave us that great day in Cardiff, um, that promotion obviously. Um, but interestingly enough, Trundle said never warmed to him, failed to keep Trundle and Morel. Although, yeah. you know, can't really blame him for that, I suppose. The squad he assembled, the, the squad he assembled was tremendous. Yeah. Was it, did he assemble it? Did Carlos Edwards was already there from Flynn. Morel was already there from Flynn. Trundle was already there from Flynn. All right, he brought you Paul Edwards. Big fucking wows. I, I love mm. Paul Edwards. I love Paul Edwards. And, uh, ben Foster, the Welsh Mafia. Yeah, you know, oh, oh, yeah, great, great, great loan signing, but you're never going to get in full-time. Scott Green. Uh, I mean... I, I just think it's it's Flynn all the way. It has to be Flynn. It has to be the architect of our greatest period that anyone can remember. I mean, which is what? Not that anyone can remember. Just just for the older listeners. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. No. I know what you mean. But any of us can remember. Yeah. But, you, but always fighting for for a playoff place in League One. It's where we should be, and, and Flynn got us there. And he did. You know what, what you think about with the Hollywood take over and now is what can we get can we get a youth, good youth system Flynn got that can we be contenders in League One Flynn got that you know can we have a good run in the FA Cups Flynn got that um, Andy in his clever way has swayed me based on that one point was Flynn Flynn's emphasis on the youth system and bringing you through when Smith took over Unfortunately, he had to cut, cut costs. And if I remember, he ended up downgrading the youth setup from from what it was to... Yeah, it was it was an academy level and it went down to centre yeah, of excellence yeah. level. And it, and it went down to centre. So, so, and I, I, I'm, I'm guessing Dennis Smith did that through gritted teeth and he, he had to sort of cut his cloth accordingly. So, mm. yeah, maybe that through victim circumstance, maybe that swings it towards... The diminutive Ryan Flynn. Yeah, and I think just through stats alone, you know, as you say, the point playoffs in League One. I mean, I don't think we actually ever got to the playoffs in League One, but we were there or thereabouts. Yeah. And I mean, that's we what you want. Yeah. I, I find it hard because Dennis Smith did give me some of my best memories watching Rax, and maybe because of my age, I saw a few of the Flynn years, but it was mostly mid-table, which now you would bite your hand off for, wouldn't you, to be fair? Um, so it's a difficult one. It's going to be hard to argue against Brian Flynn without getting killed, though, isn't it? Yeah, there is that. We don't want to be remembered for the podcast that chose Carlos Edwards at right back and Dennis Smith over Brian Flynn. We don't want to be those guys. Only if, all right, I'll, I'll, we, all, we all signed off on Carlos Edwards, number one, and yet find <laughs> Brian... Brian Flynn. Brian Flynn uh, sounds like he's the manager, doesn't it? Any any objections? I'll go for Flynn, but only if we can get Dennis Smith on to have a fight with Andy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, challenge accepted. There we go. Then. Well, Brian hang on, Flynn. not by me. <laughs> <laughs> he's still a big lad. <laughs> Brian Flynn, uh, you are the manager of uh, the Mighty Heroes. Congratulations. Well done, Brian. I'm, de- I'm obviously delighted. I think it's important that you realise the, the levels that you can get to and uh, keep stretching them levels, especially when you're at the top. OK, so that's the Mighty Heroes done and dusted. Next week, it's time for the Shitey Heroes. So... Uh, <laughs> Uh, if you've got any people you'd like to suggest for the Shitey Heroes, please do email us in. Uh, fearlessindevotion at gmail.com is the email. Next week, obviously, we'll be starting from the back. So goalkeepers, all very excited for the for that. Is, is, there, is there a set criteria for the Shitey Heroes, Reese? Gil, Gilpin's the brains behind Shitey Heroes. Well, what's the criteria? <laughs> I mean, you will have some people who played a couple of games and were awful, but you will also have some people who were good players but didn't really perform 
at Wrexham. So it's the people who are absolutely crap and the people who could have been good but weren't. So it's a nice mix there. I'd actually like to see the team play our mighty heroes and we'd probably lose 1-0. That's just... <laughs> Because Carlos is playing at right wing there. Yeah, and, and Malongo is very good up front when you put him up against a right winger who's clearly yeah. playing at right back. Bobby there's, Grant knows where the goal is. Mahata Malongo, a man in high places. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thanks you once again for listening. We've got another great guest lined up for you next week. Um, hopefully by then we'll have a manager, who knows? Um, and we'll be very near having a new kit. Looking forward to that one. But thanks again for listening and we'll see you all next week. Bye. Cheers. See ya.